All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. It is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Welcome to episode 367 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, CyberSec JS, Matthew Pelkey, Jesse Johnson, and his two-year-old are going to be shredding through the top cyber news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories. On what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize this in the tactical sense today, this week, or how you might implement it into your long-term strategic plans for your organization. So stay tuned. we got a great show for you. And don't think if you're new to the industry or just looking to break in and you stumbled in here that this is not for you, that this is for seasoned pros only. That is not true. Simply Cyber is accessible to people of all backgrounds and all levels of experience. And if you are just starting, this show will give you context, terminology, and professional networking. It's really nicely packaged and bundled up. So stay tuned. You're going to have a great show. Uh, We have a great show for you, and you're going to get a lot of value no matter who you are or where you're coming from. Good morning to all those who are uh, East Coast, uh, maybe maybe, uh, Western Europe folks. And uh, good afternoon and good evening to all of you. I know you guys come in internationally, Australia coming in late. West Coast coming in uber early, but I genuinely appreciate all of you and all that you do for the Simply Cyber community. Now, before we get into the hottest takes on the coolest news, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, starting with my good friend Brandon Poole and his company, Panopsi Security. Panopsi Security <clears throat> can deliver quantified risk assessments to organizations of any size and provide fact-based, statistically sound outputs that will allow business leaders at the industry or excuse me, the business leaders at that business to make informed decisions on how to invest resources, both money, people, and time to ultimately reduce cyber risk to acceptable levels. Like I know it sounds like a bunch of hogwash and marketing speak and crap, but like everything I literally just said is not marketing speak. It's literally accurate what I'm saying. Uh, Brandon looks at your people, process, technology, figures out what your current tech stack and cyber stack looks like, and then tells you, You've got a high probability, like 72 to 84% of a ransomware attack because you're missing this, this, and this. If you spend this amount on this solution, you are going to reduce your risk by this amount. It's very, very mathy, right? Is mathy a term? (laughs) All right. Uh, I don't know Alex Goodwin if he's got someone named Hog that works with him, but... Uh, Brandon does have a good team around him and his quantified risk assessments are dope sick. Also want to say shout out and love to XM Cyber. XM Cyber, the exposure management company who I've been working with for a bit. Uh, Organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis. So efficiently reducing risk is an almost impossible task. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of uh, Exposure Management Report. I show it to you guys every single morning on stream. I've printed it out um, and I've read through it. It's great information. Just go to the description below. Click on the link. I think it's a bit.ly link or something. It definitely says XM Cyber's Exposure Management Report. Download it. Give it a read for yourself. Let me know what you think. I'd love to get other people's thoughts on it. Um, XM Cyber. I've been working with XM Cyber too. Like uh, really excited about some of the work that's coming out with uh, with them. They even sent me a shirt, which I will 
we're on stream tomorrow, okay? Uh, so thanks, XM Cyber. And finally, all of us, everybody, friends, no Barricade Cyber emote in the chat right now. More about Eric, Barricade Cyber and Eric Taylor after the uh, at the mid-roll. It is Tuesday, which means it's Tidbits Tuesday, so you get a little bit of a, a personal idiosyncrasy about me at the mid-roll, and that's going to be fun. I want to remind you all of you are uh, entitled to a half a CPE because that's what um, 30 minutes of webinar, cybersecurity-themed webinar, led by a qualified instructor, two thumbs and smiling, this guy, right? So be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag team live if you're live with us right here, right now. Ooh, little, what was that? Fatboy Slim? Or was that Moby? Right here, right now, right here. Get a copyright strike on me singing it? Probably not. All right, so uh, hashtag Team Replay if you're watching on Replay. Replay people are people too, and I love myself some Team Replay. So what's up, all of you out there uh, in the future watching this in the past? I genuinely appreciate it. Hashtag Team Hybrid in chat if you are coming in hot. 2x in on the playback speed to get caught up. Fatboy Slim, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, And then obviously my favorite, hashtag Passive Observer. If you are... um, if you are shy, introverted, uh, not really comfortable, Kilo Papa knows what's up. Hashtag Passive Observer. If you are um, imposter syndrome, not sure how to start networking professionally in the industry, whatever it is, take the first step. If you haven't chatted once in stream, but you're a regular here, I'm looking at you. Hashtag Passive Observer in chat. Take a second. Begin your professional networking journey. I know it might be a little in- uncomfortable. I know it might be awkward. Take the first step. It'll get easier every time you chat. You'll actually enjoy it. Get into it. Have fun. Build your professional network. All right, guys. That's going to do it for the intro. So let me slide that aside. Let me take a big slug off the coffee. I'm, I'm down to my reserves. What's up for Ferran Ferenmi? 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 Sorry if I butchered your name. Sorry. Good to see you, Wesley. Hey, Stacy. Stacy Loki in the house. Where's Stacy? There. There we go. All right, guys, settle in. Grab your coffee. Grab your uh, drink of choice. I'm down to my emergency rations of French roast, so I don't even know what's going on. I'm going to have to. I mean, I've got like emergency, emergency beans. Obviously, I can't not have coffee in the house. But my emergency, emergency beans are. Um, Italian roast, which is fine. I'm not discriminating against Italian roast. It's just not, it's just not Starbucks French roast. <laughs> all right, sit back, relax. Let's get into the news, and I'll see you all at the mid roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Cyber attack hits Philadelphia Inquirer. Over the weekend, a cyber incident halted the Philadelphia Inquirer's Sunday print edition. Staff reported issues accessing the company's content management system, which is used to write, edit, and publish stories and titles. Publisher Lisa Hughes said this is the worst disruption Pennsylvania's largest news organization has faced since a blizzard in 1996. She didn't have an exact timeline for full restoration of its operations, but said the Inquirer will continue to publish online articles and cover Tuesday's mayoral primary elections. All right. 
<clears throat> so ransomware attack again, guys, please two things. One, do not become desensitized to ransomware attacks because you hear about them all the time. If you get hit with ransomware, you will be uh, like you you will feel the pain. You will be stunned. You will be staggering around. You'll look like red from Sanford and Son. You uh, uh, like it's not that's a wicked deep cut reference that probably only a tenth of you are gonna get. But but anyways, um ransomware is real and the impacts are really what you need to go uh to go on. So this is really targeting the media industry. I know that newspapers, uh for those uh, Gen Zs and millennials well, more Gen Zs. Uh, newspapers used to be like print paper that would be delivered to your house because we didn't have the internet <laughs> to read and we didn't have phones to read. Um, the Philadelphia Inquirer, I guess, still sends papers out as well. That has been the impacted uh, part of their operation. They are still there. Yeah, exactly, Marcus. <laughs> Elizabeth, I'm coming for you. So uh, Vice did file for bankruptcy. They did not get hit. Um, we could talk about Vice later. I, I did a bunch of research on that. Uh, so here's the deal. Two things to take away from this. One, if you work in media, this is worth uh, noting because this is in your industry. Second of all, when you think about ransomware and you're doing business impact assessments, which is an activity where you understand like, okay, this system, these systems, this office, this branch, this person, whatever gets taken out. What is the impact to the business um, by, by this um, uh, development? For the Philadelphia Inquirer, they clearly have the newspaper business and then they have the online business and they probably sell advertising, which is how newspapers basically fund themselves. They sell advertising probably in both business units. They're almost, they're probably both two different units, although they will, a reporter will write a, a report for the print and then put it, put it online so they get economies of scale on that. But I would imagine that a, a huge piece of their revenue comes from the online piece of it. So um, their business operations aren't necessarily severely impacted. Now, what's interesting, I might also point out is this hit the um, the content management system. So this would be the system that allows them to lay out the paper, bring in the stories and everything like that. It did not hit like, it sounds like it did not hit their file servers where they would house you know, uh, research and, you know, um, internal documents and, and, and things of that like. So they are able to continue. If that had been hit, then they wouldn't have any content to post online or in print. You see what I'm saying? So I, I almost want to say Philadelphia Inquirer, it absolutely sucks that they got hit with ransomware. But uh, I mean, it, it, I don't even know if it said ransomware. I feel like it is ransomware, but uh, they're lucky that it only hit their print operations. Transportation Department Cyber Breach Exposes Federal Employee Data The DOT has been hit with a data breach that may have exposed PII of federal government employees. The data breach impacts nearly 240,000 current and former employees enrolled in the Good to DOT see you, Gabriella. Transit Benefit Program a lot of Aussies in chat TransServe. Today. Compromised info may include TransServe members' account details, work contact info, home addresses, and SmartTrip and TransServe card numbers. According to the TransServe program website, its benefit system is currently down due to unscheduled maintenance. All right, so the Department of Transportation gets hit. Um, it looks like it's exclusively to their transit benefit program, the TransServe, um, which manages benefits for 
employees. So this doesn't really, um, this isn't really affecting us as customers of transportation. Basically what it sounds like is if you work for the Department of Transportation, one of your perks, one of your benefits is that you get to ride public transit for free, right? Uh, it's a transit benefit program. And that system was breached in a way that exposed PII of federal government employees. All right, not good. Okay, not good. 114,000 people affected, 123,000 former employees affected. So, uh, you know, we're in the range of a couple hundred thousand um, PIIs. Um, I'm just reading here. Maximum benefits, $208 a month, okay. Okay, so, you know, with all due respect, this is one of those things where like after OPM, like the Office of Personnel Management, if, if, if you're in the United States and you work in the government and you have any level of clearance, you have to go through an OPM investigation. I, I don't know if you work in government and you don't have a clearance, you still have to go through OPM, but OPM is basically like the federal government's HR department, kind of. And they got breached years ago by uh, allegedly China, right? So <laughs> like... When I see this, it's like, all right, like, you know, okay. You know, so uh, not good. Obviously, the people, if you work for the Department of Transportation, um, you know, be mindful. You have heightened risk of um, being targeted for phishing. Um, but I don't know. I, I do want to say, um, yeah, SF80. It, it's, I think it's SF86, isn't it, Eric? I don't know. Maybe SF eighty six is for uh, is for clearance. Um, so uh, the one thing I will say, and I hate to beat a dead horse, which is a term I guess that is at some point <laughs> at some point is considered socially acceptable. Uh, I hate to beat this, but let's not forget President Biden's executive order from a year ago, uh, May twenty twenty one, I believe it was literally a year or two years ago, excuse me, May 2021, um, demanding that in 90 days, all federal agencies will have MFA. Within 180 days, all federal agencies will have zero trust architecture. You remember that? You remember that uh, bill of goods we got sold? I told you at the time, Jackson and I had, uh, Outpost Gray, Jack Scott and I had a live stream going through it. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I like great, great theater, but dude, people's budgets have already been set. Like there's legacy systems in place. You can't just snap your fingers and roll out a new architecture. You can't just snap your fingers. and I mean, MFA is a little bit easier to roll out, but, and, and here we are, here we are two years later, department of transportation, federal government entity breached. It doesn't even go into how the breach happened, but I assure you, MFA and zero trust architecture may have helped. It's just annoying me. Three million data breach notices being sent to SchoolDude users. Last Thursday, Brightly Software, a Siemens subsidiary, began issuing notification letters to three million current and former SchoolDude users flagging a cybersecurity incident that occurred in late April. SchoolDude is an online platform offering various software solutions for educational institutions and technology professionals. Stolen info includes names, email addresses, phone numbers, school district names, and account passwords. 
The company is investigating the incident and has prompted a password reset for all school dude user accounts. All right, on the surface, I hate the name school dude. <laughs> okay, just saying, you know, that, that's a completely subjective statement. There, I have no reason to, to, to have an opinion about the, the word school dude. But to me, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I think it's because of the, the conflict between like school where you're like learning and, and trying to improve yourself and dude, which is like chill and relax where you're, where you're trying to enjoy yourself. And I know you can enjoy learning, right? I enjoy learning, but my problem is I don't like the word. <laughs> Tidbits Tuesday bonus bonus content. Okay, um, guys. Okay, what, how can I make this relevant for the Simply Cyber audience? Okay, um, a, a cloud-based system was compromised. All the users. It looks like the users' passwords were compromised, right? One in, so obviously you have to make everybody aware of it. Now here's one interesting thing. This is a real pain in the butt, y'all. Making all your customers reset their password um, is a real pain in the butt. You're going to get a lot of uh, calls. You're going to get a lot of calls um, to help desk. So expect an uptick in activity there. Have a lot of people staffed on that. You might have people quit the platform because. You know, maybe having their data breach wasn't enough to make them quit, but then when you have the password reset, they just, you know, throw up their hands and like forget it. Like it, it's like it's like a it's like a jab jab hook, right? Like it's it's you can push people over the edge, especially um, if they were kind of teetering already. Um, the final thing I'll say is like a, a full all user password reset is pretty heavy and uh, and if you have to do it in your own environment like in an active directory environment it's very disruptive because people will have passwords um saved people will have passwords like um not written down but like service accounts that don't do password resets all of the service accounts get reset as well um i don't know if this is going to affect api keys but sometimes those get revoked too um in ad environments i've never had to do this myself but i do know about it um, in AD environments, you have to do password reset twice to um, basically flush uh, because the way AD works, it'll allow cache credentials uh, to work. So you have to do password reset twice, which if you have anything more than like 500 employees is incredibly disruptive and very, very challenging. So you really don't want, I think that you have to do double password reset when um, like a golden ticket gets issued. Um, somebody else can, uh, in chat, if you know more about this, dig into it. But I think it, it's part of like when you get Kerber roasted and stuff like that. Anyways, when you are doing tabletop exercises, you may want to think about what is the response? Um, you know, do we have to reset everybody's password? It's, it's again, it's really, it's really, really disruptive. WhatsApp now lets you lock chats with the password or fingerprint. Meta is rolling out ChatLock, a new WhatsApp privacy feature that allows users to block others from accessing personal conversations. ChatLock will create a new folder that can be locked with a password or biometric methods like a fingerprint. Additionally, locked chat notifications are automatically hidden to prevent others from snooping while using the phone. Users can enable the new privacy feature by choosing the lock option after tapping the name of a one-to-one -one or group chat. And All right, I mean... Here's my thing, like why not why not just have the whole app behind a biometric? Like 
like it just seems silly to have a folder you know what i mean like what why 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 drill in and have a, a hidden folder that requires biometric when you could just make the app have biometric you know what i mean encrypt the content in the app so now you don't have to manage it folders and an inbox again obviously they did a decision they they must have done some market analysis on this to determine it was better for yeah meta's facebook they they might they may have um it just seems stupid to me. It seems like overcomplicating it for the sake of overcomplicating it. Uh, it. I will say now that I'm shooting from my hip here, there may have been a technical architecture constraint that did not allow them to encrypt the entire thing, but they were able to compartmentalize it into a folder. That, like Even as I'm saying it, it probably is that. It probably makes more sense because it's 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 easier to carve out a little, you know, I guess like a bolt-on folder and encrypt that versus maybe encrypting everything. Because if you encrypt everything, maybe it breaks some functionality, it breaks some capability. Uh, so that's probably the reason they made that decision. Um, okay, I mean, people are interested in privacy, right? Uh, we see Signal and Telegram um, going to great lengths to ensure end-to-end -end encryption. If WhatsApp wants to stay relevant, especially in in uh, light of their recent like microphones always on on Android, and um, there was another bit of bad pub for WhatsApp recently. I can't remember what it was, but but um, if they want to stay relevant, they need to include privacy uh, features, or else people are going to leave. You know what I mean? And Meta's already reeling from their <laughs> from their their billion dollar mistake of uh going all in on metaverse so we'll see i mean i don't i don't use whatsapp really there's a family chat that uses whatsapp that i dig into every once in a while but for the most part i on principle i choose not to use whatsapp all right let's do the mid-roll now a word from our sponsor hunters relying on a sim in 2023 is like living in a college dorm room post-graduation you're operating in an environment that you've outgrown. The Hunter's Sock platform is purpose-built to help your security operations mature to the level you need to be at. ChargePoint, the world's largest network of electric vehicle charging stations, uses Hunter's Sock platform to leverage its out-of-the-box detection content to more efficiently respond to new threats and vulnerabilities. It's time to move beyond SIM. Visit hunters.security to learn more, and don't forget to let them know you heard about Hunters on the CISO series. All right. I had to step away for a second. We got HVAC coming between 8 and 8.30 today, which would be now. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, guys, it's the mid-roll, which means only one thing. All right, guys, I want to thank everybody for being here. I hope you're getting value from the show. Do me a favor. If you are, hit that like button. It helps other cyber professionals who haven't found our show find the show. You yourself may have stumbled in here a couple days ago, today, last week, because I asked people in chat at the mid-roll to hit that like button. So play it for, pay it forward, hit the like button, help other people find you. I want to thank the stream sponsors again for allowing me the ability to deliver this show every single weekday morning to you guys ask me a jaw jack in time i talked to uh i talked to somebody about a pretty big deal yesterday um that's going to uh be cool for the show uh thank you panopsi thank you xm cyber for your continued support and thank you barricade cyber solutions i told you more about barricade cyber at the mid-roll 
This is the mid-roll. Hey, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, everybody? Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. That's right. Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, they bring the heat. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. It'll look like this. This is the website. A lot of good marketing content here, but here's the real gold. Here's the goods. This is Eric Taylor's calendar. You can get on his schedule, have a call with him. I did it um, when I was at ThreatGen, right? Got on the call with Eric. Eric, here's our environment. Here's our situation. Let's get you stood up with some um, admin accounts, but then disable them. That way, if we need to, we can activate them. Boom, you're already doing incident response without having to do any of the prep work. You feel me? Contracts in place, boom. Ready to rock and roll, boom. Boom, roasted. I don't have the boom roasted, but believe me, boom roasted. All right, guys. Um, I want to remind you, hopefully all of you got the newsletter uh, yesterday afternoon. I normally send it on Monday morning at 6 a.m. I write it on um, Sunday, but it was Mother's Day. I took the weekend, so I had to do it on Monday. Definitely, the. I got to tell you, I don't think you realize this, guys, but I work seven days a week. And uh, so when I take a day off, how, how selfish of me, when I take a day off, Everything kind of backs up and gets gets log jammed, so I have to dig out. So um, I hope you enjoyed this newsletter and uh, got value from that. Simply Cyber Community Challenge, Cyasia uh, currently has the baton. Cyasia, if you are in chat, please tag somebody with the baton. Guys, every single weekday we choose somebody in the community to hold the baton for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. This is a challenge that allows people to post their cyber story and more importantly, allows everybody else in the community to comment and connect with people who post the story and in the comments. If you have been doing the Simply Cyber Community Challenge for more than a couple days, please share your thoughts in chat. Have you grown your network in a meaningful way? Have you made meaningful connections? What is the value of a professional network to you? Believe me, I, I, I can only help you. I can only lead you to this. Like you have to take the steps yourself and connect with other people. But I'm telling you, it is going to be immensely valuable to you. I promise you. So if Saisha's in chat, please, please, please tag. Allison Van Stone is highly taggable, Saisha. I'll tell you what, uh, if Saisha doesn't make it today, um, let's let's go ahead and tag Allison. But it's it's Saisha's choice to do, um, you know, to, to tag. All right, guys. Tidbits Tuesday. Every Tuesday, I, every single day, we do a little special something. Uh, today is Tidbits Tuesday, where I share a little idiosyncratic thing about me. Guys, here's the thing. I love analysis. I am an analysis junkie. Unfortunately, for better or worse, I'm the kind of person who, like, while you're watching a movie or a show is constantly talking through it. Like, what about this? What about that? That doesn't make sense. And I've got to tell you, um, I got to tell you guys, unfortunately, I, I shared with you recently that I started watching the Citadel show on Amazon Prime. First of all, I hate the fact that it's serialized and they don't just do a big binge dump. But, but I got to tell you, uh, no spoilers, no spoil, actually spoiler alert. So if you're watching Citadel, 
um, or you're going to watch it, uh, mute. I'll give you two seconds to mute. One, two. Here's my thing. Like, there is an obvious massive plot hole in the entire plot of the show. Like, there is something so significant that is so obvious and I can't get past it now. I watched an episode last night and they're trying to build suspense, but there is a catastrophic failure underpinning what the suspense is built on. And it is bananas. Like, I don't even think I can watch the show anymore because I get, I get annoyed. I get unbelievably annoyed every time they dip into the well of this suspenseful plot point that I just want to like yell at, like, I just want to be like, so anyways, that's the deal with that. Yeah, some people, my wife, uh, God bless her, <laughs> she's uh, she's endured. Uh, I, I actually talk less uh, during movies and shows when, when my wife's around because, you know, we've been together for like, I don't know, 20 years now. So uh, <laughs> she, she's all good with me talking during the shows. All right. All right. Let's keep rolling. Fire America leaks PII of 5.8 million deceased users. Farmerica Healthcare has disclosed that its systems were breached by a threat actor exposing PII of more than 5.8 million deceased individuals. The incident occurred from May 12th to May 13th and exposed info including victim name, address, date of birth, social security number, medications, and health insurance details. Experts say that because the victims are deceased, relatives aren't likely to regularly monitor their credit reports, making related cybercrimes even more difficult to detect and stop. Loved ones. Of so this is a uh, pretty interesting. I feel like this is like data breach Tuesday. Like whoever did the curation of the news stories today, love themselves some data breach. All right. So far America leaking 5.8 million users, uh, PII. It is an interesting point that they bring out that the users are deceased, uh, which means that if, you know, if identity theft is committed, if taxes are filed under them, um, there's no living human who's going to, you know, experience like, hey, this doesn't make sense, or that's me, what's going on? So uh, very lucrative uh, data set. Um, I'm not sure, I haven't done any research on how deceased PII is on the dark web, uh, but it's interesting. Also, if you want to play um, tinfoil hat, Jerry, again, this is a bit of a stretch, but it, it just occurred to me. If you were prepping for uh, meddling in the 2024 United States presidential election, you could use this information uh, to, uh, you know, promote voter fraud, right? Have have a bunch of deceased people vote one way or the other uh, for one candidate party or another, and then point to it as an indicator of voter fraud, uh, rampant voter fraud across different states. Just saying um, that's that's a context. Um, but you know what? Savvy move if the threat actors are targeting deceased individuals in order to um, to commit fraud and not get caught. Also, seniors at risk. Sadly, guys, I mean, there's a whole reason that Xennial is a new term. Um, there's basically before uh, big tech and after big tech. And people who grew up before big tech, I'm looking at seniors. Yes, I know that they're on Facebook now. Uh, but my point is, they're not really savvy to all these high-tech frauds. We see scam call centers constantly um, frauding uh, seniors, uh, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, tricking them, um, just just full-on 
you know, romance scams and all that. So it's, it's really bad. If you are interested in doing any type of like, <laughs> um, community service, educate the elder population, whether it's at your church or community rec center or whatever. I, I don't know how you would in, in implement it, but I'm just telling you, it's a vulnerable population just by lack of awareness and knowledge. And, um, convenience or not convenience, but like experience using technology guys. I, like I suck at Instagram. I like, I can't even figure out how to properly respond to comments. And in, in fact, I can't even find where the comments on Instagram is. So I just, I just, I probably look like a jerk on Instagram because I just post content and never respond to anyone, but I, it's not obvious to me. Right. So I, I'm just saying seniors, obviously deceased people be mindful of that. Buffalo shooting victims want social media platforms held responsible. A year after a racially motivated mass shooting took 10 innocent lives at a Topps grocery store in Buffalo, New York, the victims' loved ones have filed a lawsuit against Meta, Google, Amazon, Reddit, Snapchat, Discord, and 4chan. The shooter live-streamed the attack on Twitch, which was taken down within two minutes, but then uploaded to 4chan and Facebook, whose algorithm continued to recommend the video. The suit alleges the platforms facilitated the shooter's white supremacist radicalization and claims their algorithms are designed to take advantage of teenagers by engaging them, quote, through increasingly extreme and psychologically discordant content, end quote. Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act protects social media platforms from legal accountability over content posted by users. This could pose a challenge to the suit, but Section 230 is currently facing legislative efforts in Supreme Court cases aiming to restrict companies' immunity. Okay, a couple things here. One, it's Zenial with an X. Two, I, I was born in 79, so I do identify and believe it's Zeni, uh, as a Zenial. Uh, I never really felt like Gen X, and I never really felt like Millennial, and it's it's Zenial with an X. Um. Okay, guys, uh, Buffalo shooting, obviously horrible. This psychopath uh, live streamed it. Um, again, our society has kind of evolved into this like <clears throat> 15 minutes of fame, self-worth and self-validation identified by um, anonymous people um, consuming your content, right? Um, now, I, I want to push back on this. Like, yeah, so this dude posted it on Twitch. Twitch pulled it down after two minutes. So, right? Like, so Twitch discovers it, pulls it down, right? Did all the right things. Now, 4chan picks it up and reposts it. Now, obviously, guys, 4chan is... I don't know how to explain 4chan, but it's it's a place that's deregulated, okay? Think of 4chan as like most Eisley Cantina, all right? You'll never find more vile and um, villainy uh, anywhere in the galaxy, all right? That's basically it. So I, I don't think, like, I think this is not a cybersecurity story, but this is like an information warfare type story, information um, manipulation. The, the, they're positing here that because it went on social media, they were able to radicalize and weaponize uh, white supremacy and youths who may be teetering on the point, I guess, and sensationalize it. I would argue that that's not what happened. I mean, like, like this isn't like a uh, like a recruitment video or something like that. Um, Twitch pulled it down within two minutes. They did the right thing. I know other major social media platforms would not like let this run for you know for the metrics, right? Um, so 
I also believe, and I, dude, I can totally sympathize with the, the victims' families, okay? I, I, I would imagine that the victims' families want justice in every form and fashion in order to help feel a little bit of, of righteousness around these tragic events. I know if somebody I loved was taken from me because of a horrible thing, I want to lash out at everything and everyone. Um, again, I, I'm basing my assessment and analysis right now based on what I just heard and a little bit of skimming this article. So I'm not deep into this story. Um, and I have some other comments, um, but I don't want to share them on this particular forum because it's not cybersecurity related, but I, I have a real catch me on a, catch me on a after hours program and ask me about this. But, you know, another thing that kind of jumps to mind is like, do you remember that horrible, horrible Virginia Tech uh, incident? And the, the, the guy was like posting pictures of himself with hammers and stuff, right? Like, are, are you going to ban like Polaroid cameras now? And, and, you know what I mean? Like, like, I know that I'm not making light of this. I'm not being playfully humorous. I'm, I'm just making a point that like, I don't think the social media platforms whether they existed or didn't exist, I don't think that they resulted in these type of events, right? So, anyways, that that's that. It's not really a cyber story. Ex-Ubiquity employee in prison outside. for $2 million crypto extortion scheme. Following up on a story, Cybersecurity Headlines brought to you back in April of 2021, a former employee of a tech firm called Ubiquity has been imprisoned for six years after confessing to trying to extort nearly $2 million worth of crypto from the company. Nicholas Sharp, who worked as a senior developer, was arrested for illegally accessing confidential data and attempting to extort 50 Bitcoin from the company by sending an anonymous email. Sharp not only perpetrated the breach, but reportedly orchestrated the publication of misleading news articles about the company's handling of the incident, ultimately leading to a loss of over $4 billion in the company's market capitalization. What a prick. This guy's a total prick. All right, so this guy, the, you know what this is? This is one of those ones where like in for, in for an ounce, in for a pound, or in for a pound, in for a... Uh, uh, two pounds or whatever. There's a phrase that I'm thinking of, but basically this dude tried to, first of all, this guy's going to jail for six years and had to pay back a million and a half dollars. So he didn't win. <laughs> Second of all, he basically tried to extort his company. He was a senior developer. So he had insider information, confidential data. He tried to extort the company anonymously for 50 Bitcoin, right? Obviously in for a penny, in for a pound. Thank you. Like, obviously, it, it didn't, it wasn't working, and he'd already committed to the crime. Yeah, exactly. He'd already committed the crime, so he was, <clears throat> he was like a slippery slope, and now he's all in. And then he starts releasing data about how the company's mishandling everything, trying to leverage. This guy, essentially, to me, what it sounds like is this guy got greedy, and he turned into a, like, kind of a, a, a chaotic, not well thought out criminal who got basically got into a pot of water and you know he himself was re like leaning over the leaning over the pot and lighting the logs on fire underneath it caught it caught fire and then he's just like swimming around in the water uh, trying to figure out how to get out of the water or how to get paid and you know what the water started boiling and the donkey cooked himself 
Flaming Donkey. Give me some Flaming Donkey up in here. I'm just saying, like, this right here reeks of um, poorly executed, short-sighted dummy. That's that's what I would say. Like, dude got greedy. Dude got greedy. And now he's going to go to jail and be a felon. And he's out. <laughs> he's out eight years or six years of his life. He's out a million and a half dollars. What a dummy. What a dummy. Hold on. Where's my Anton Dodson? I don't have it. You are so dumb. For real. Dumb. Airline exposes passenger info to others due to technical error. Latvian airline Air Baltic has confirmed right, that a technical error exposed reservation details of a small number of passengers to other Air Baltic passengers. On Monday, the airline's customers began reporting receiving unexpected emails which addressed them by the name of other customers. The misrouted emails may have exposed passenger names, birth dates, email addresses, and flight reservation numbers. Air Baltic has begun emailing impacted passengers and said that no financial information was exposed. Okay. And I mean, all right. Hold on. I want to know really quickly. The, the, I'm, I'm triaging this mentally in my head, so just give me a second. All right. Uh, do, 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 do. Okay. Okay, so here's the deal. This is a really, really low impact thing. I don't even know why it made news, probably because it, it made its uh, rounds on social media. This airline company accidentally, due to some technical issue, probably a fringe case, right? One of these things that wouldn't get caught during QAQC, and it sent an email to the wrong person. I mean, guys, have you ever received an email that was like, you know, maybe like an email blast that wasn't supposed to go out or you get a note. Like I just got one the other day about like, I think like PayPal and they were cha or teachable. The platform I, t I have the school on was changing their rates around like taking PayPal transactions. And they sent out another one like an hour later and they're like, that was a mistake. Like we didn't mean to send that out. Like, like dude, people use like MailChimp and ConvertKit and like there's these systems for mailing hundreds of thousands of customers, right? It's not like Carl. It's not like Carl sitting at his desk and he's like, oh, geez, boss, I really wanted to get to the cookout this afternoon, but I got to email 100,000 people and they're writing like, dear Jerry, your reservation is important. Send dear Marcus. Your, you know what I mean? Like they have automated systems that execute based on scripts, based on times, based on changes in environment. Very, very complicated. So yes, occasionally fringe cases happen. And it sounds like they said in this story here, point, what is it? They gave some ridiculous metric here. It was like 0.0009%. Um, hold on. Yeah, point zero. So like basically one hundredth of one one hundredth of a percent of its customer base was comp uh, had its reservations leaked, which is like nothing. That that's why like I I really feel like this isn't a story. This is like they basically made a mistake. You know what this is? This is like um you know I I don't wear dresses, but I almost feel like this is like a woman accidentally like tucking her dress into her underwear or something like that and walking out of the bathroom and like one person sees it and it's like ah no just like fix it and move on like it's not an issue. Let's go. You know what I mean? So 
whatever. It, it, and, and from an impact perspective, it's not like you could change the reservation for the person, right? That, and that's why I was doing a quick little triage. Like, it, it, you all you saw was where they were going, right? So now you're gonna you're gonna get some type of like, ooh, like you you would have to have like the most ridiculous intersection of somebody who's motivated and has a a, a motive to you know hunt or find somebody also randomly receive an email of their travel plans, right? It, it's it's dumb. This is a nothing like. This is a technical issue around a complicated mail system that somehow hit a fringe use case and one hundredth of a percent of customers were impacted. This is a this this right here is over dramatized news. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. That does it for today's cybersecurity headlines, but don't forget to join us. All right. I, I don't know, Adam. I don't know. So, hey, guys, I don't know where I'm coming. I don't know where, like, the things that I say, I'm hearing them for the first time with you, too. All right, guys. So check it out. Um, I want to let you know. Oh, hey, Alana. Well, I guess it I, I guess it goes to show how little I know <laughs> about wearing dresses. Um, you know, so anyways, um, I think I came up with that because we were driving the other day through our neighborhood and there was like a woman uh, pushing a baby carrier and she like, she was kind of in that situation. And my wife was like, Oh my God, we should go back and tell her that like, that's not good. We should tell her. And then like, we, we looked back and like her husband, uh, she was sorting it out. Okay. Um, guys, I want to share with you that guess what? Um, let me get some music going. You know, I do like the do, do, do. Guys, we've got a premiere. I usually do it on Wednesdays, and uh, I'm so amped up about Bard versus ChatGPT that I'm dropping it on Tuesday. So join me at 9 a.m. today. So that's in 15 minutes. We came in early. Uh, we came in early on the stream today. Join me in 15 minutes for this Bard versus ChatGPT. Guys, listen, I literally, Bard got released at Google I.O., an updated version just the other day. And I, in this video, I run four different use cases, apples to apples. I run it in ChatGPT, I run it in Bard, and then I compare the two and I tell you why I think one is better than the other. And I mean, the thumbnail kind of gives it away. Um, I personally think Bard destroys ChatGPT, but I want you to draw your own conclusions. Take a look at the video, see what you think. If you're a cyber threat intelligence analyst, you're going to find this very interesting. If you're a SOC analyst, you're going to find this interesting. If you're a GRC person, you will absolutely find this interesting. So feel me. It's going to be good. This is all part of like this ongoing like AI vibes. If you have been watching my videos on the regular, I told you that May and June were going to be like AI months. Um, so we're getting into that. If you're here just for the news, look at you 282 beautiful people. I genuinely appreciate y'all being here. If you want to jaw jack for a hot minute, stay tuned. But if you were here just for the news, thank you very much. Please, um, you know, go grab a cup of coffee, do something, and uh, come check out the premiere. I'm going to share a link in chat right now so you can go to the premiere if you want. <laughs> All right. Um, so let me do this. If, if you guys uh, can... Uh, pardon me just for a minute. I'm just going to look to see the HVAC people are coming today for the um, um, uh, HVAC's coming for the um, 
Oh my god. The the bungalow. The mainframe bungalow. So let me just look to see if they're outside. One second. Hold on. They are not outside, so we are... Oh, okay, yeah, so they're not outside, so let's do that. All right, guys, so check this out. On stream yesterday, if you did the World of Haiku, what's GRC to, GRC Citadel? Oh, 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 I see what you're saying for the, uh, the bungalow. Yeah, if you guys hack the bungalow main... The mainframe bungalow via the HVAC, that's going to be a problem, too. Um... Okay, so check this out. Yesterday on stream, on the World of Haiku stream, I made a comment about understanding the OSI model. And then I said the OSI model is actually um, bullcrap, but we all use the OSI model as a way to understand the way technology works. And you might be like, wait a minute, Jerry, what are you talking about? The GRC class, you taught the OSI in the networking lecture. Yes, I still teach OSI. I still say OSI. We're all about OSI. But... On Twitter, years ago, like three or four years ago, um, Rob Graham did this awesome... Here, hold on one second. Let me... I want to share this with everybody because it's just so good. The OSI model is a lie was the name of this blog post, okay? And I'm going to share it with you right now. Rob Graham is uh, at Arata Rob on Twitter. Guys, definitely knows what he's doing. He's a very smart person. How do I, how do you, um, so check this out. He basically goes in to explain that OSI model was built because like international standards body wanted, um, the internet to work a certain way different than, see, OSI wanted a connection oriented network layer, but the internet is based on connectionless network layer talks about big standards it, it all gets into like power players and big moves so and and they included the uh tcp stack the way that we normally see it with the four layers to kind of indoctrinate uh uh existing users the kind of the same way that like christmas is on jesus's birthday right like like the druid christmas tree it was a way to uh kind of pacify or mollify um, the indoctrination of other cultures into Christianity. So he's talking about layers one through four, semblance of reality, and five through six is where it goes off the rails, which I told you, I say all the time, five, six, and seven, I just disregard. I don't even, I don't even, when I teach five, six, and seven, I just say pretend it's one layer and it's the, it's the layer that presents to you. Like just, we're not worried about that because when you're talking networking, it's about how packets travel, not about how an application consumes the packets right um again this this post is like three or four uh, three years old osi presentation layer is even more stupider based on dumb terminals connected to mainframes it was laughable out of date before it was even created anyways i invite you to read this uh post it is it is excellent rob graham regularly will just like have 20 minutes at an airport and post some stuff he's also got a really great post about um why tls is called tls and ssl so like when we talk about an ssl connection and then all of a sudden it turned into tls that was basically a flex by microsoft to flex on netscape 
because because Netscape originally had the, the original browser and Microsoft was like, no, we're coming out with Internet Explorer and we're going to crush Netscape Navigator. So Microsoft went uh, YOLO on uh, TLS and made that the standard to bury um, SSL. So hold on. Let me see if the TLS one is in here. I don't see it. Maybe I typed in TLS. Let me do SSL. I don't see it immediately. But anyways, it's worth looking at. Rob Rob Graham, Adorata Rob. Excellent follow on social media. All right. I got a couple more minutes. We ripped through the story today, huh? Wow. Good to see you at Pursuit of Bliss. Uh, Allison Van Stone, you're asking where's Rob's post? Okay, it looks like Kimberly got you it. Very good. If you're new to InfoSec, if you're new to IT, um, learn the OSI stack first and what's going on there. Specifically focus on TC, um, the transport layer and the network layer. Then read Rob's post because otherwise you're going to get a little bit confused with all that. Lucy Samuel, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Oh, thanks, Marcus Seiler. Glad you, glad you caught it. Uh, internal stranger, what's the question? You might have to repeat it because I didn't see it. Oh, my God. James Randolph's on Netscape Navigator right now. This is a Zero Fox shirt. Zero Fox given. It's a bit of a, a bad boy shirt. Any updates on Cybercom? Paris Gatsby? Yeah, uh, Paris, stay tuned um, for... Uh, Friday this week, we will have a Simply CyberCon transparency meeting. We've got the website up. We've got, um, Kimberly, if you can, send me uh, whatever email address you want access to the back end of the website uh, so you can uh, do your magic there. Um, we've got uh, speaker forms and stuff like that. We're about ready to go ham on um, on 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 the um on the Simply CyberCon, so stay tuned for that. Oh, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, I got this at Black Hat last year. I like it. Uh, any South... Uh, Simply Cyber peeps going to DEF CON. I'll be at DEF CON. Actually, so, Ashley, I'll be at Black Hat and DEF CON, but I will be at DEF CON just to get my badge and walk around. I might go to ICS Village. I might go... To, if they do an AI Village, I'll probably go check that out. But DEF CON is... Like, if you're a regular of the show, you know me. <laughs> like, DEF CON's too big now. Like, I don't like... And I'm not poo-pooing DEF CON. But DEF CON has turned into a conference of conferences. So basically, you don't really go to DEF CON. You go to, like, Blue Team Village at DEF CON. You go to Red Team Village at DEF CON. Um, and again, I I've been to DEF CON probably, like, 12 times. So... The way that I consume DEF CON is a little bit different than somebody who might be going for the first time. If it's your first time, you should absolutely embrace the entire experience because it is a life experience. But for me, I've just done it so many times that I'm more interested in making, like talking to certain people, like going to see certain speakers, um, less about consuming just in mass. Um, I do. Um, oh, Carrie, I do not. Um, Uh, I don't have any mentors in machine learning AI. Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of YouTubers that you can get onto um, that'll help you with that. 
Um, one thing I will say is uh, we did a Simply Cyber meetup last year that was pretty successful. If Christina, I don't know if Christina, um, Vegas Christina, if you know who, I'm, if you're listening, um, there's a woman who attended the Simply Cyber meetup named Christina. She doesn't really engage in the um, chats too much, but if she's watching right now, very much would like you to DM me uh, just so I, I would love to find a location that's like, not on the strip, not the the beer park that we went to. That would be cool for a meetup. I'd love to do another Simply Cyber Community meetup at the end of the week, like on um, on on Friday or Saturday. Um, but I don't want to go to that beer park place again. That was a that was a tourist trap dumpster fire. They wouldn't even let me. Like I just everything about that place is cool, except that the way that they do the billing, <laughs> that was not cool. So Christina. Holler at me. All right. Uh, Black Hat's another one. I'm interested in to see all the marketing. Yeah, so Black Hat I go to. I do a lot of networking at Black Hat. So Black, I almost have to go to Black Hat. Not almost. I have to go to Black Hat. Um, Wild West Hackenfest I'll be at. I'll be speaking at Wild West Hackenfest. Can't wait. I love Wild West Hackenfest. What's this? Um, Heath's keynoting and uh, Leslie Carhart's keynoting. Ashley Sweeney's already having anxiety. I will tell you, guys, uh, I think it was Gary Sturgiatis. I, I think it was. And if it wasn't Gary, I'm sorry if I um, called you like on that. But somebody reached out to me recently and asked for a video on how to attend a cybersecurity conference. And I know that sounds like, what do you mean attend it? But like, there's, there's like best practices, right? What to bring, when to eat, how to travel, where to go, who to talk to, things not to do, like, like, there's like a million things I've been to. Like I said, I've been to Vegas like 12 times. I've gone to different conferences. I've been to small conferences, large conferences, travel, what to bring. I run when I go to, uh, to conferences and stuff. So there there's lessons learned that, um, it won't be a banger. It, it won't be a banger episode for like the YouTube algorithm, the way that like the AI one is, but it will be good for the community. So I'm going to make that, um, all right, guys, let's head on over to the uh, premiere. I hope you get value from the premiere. Thank you all so very much for being part of the Simply Cyber community. I appreciate it. I'll be back. Well, I'll be on this live stream in a minute with you, but I'll be back uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time for another show. Be good. Come on over to the chat. It, it should push you over there in a second anyways. Yeah.